Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now let the show begin. Hi, this is The Author Show, and I'm your host, Linda Thompson. How do you live an authentic life while keeping a secret? This is the question Carol Anderson struggled with throughout her award-winning debut memoir, You Can't Buy Love Like That, Growing Up Gay in the 60s. Carol joins us today to talk about her secret and how she's found her answer. Carol, welcome to The Author's Show. Thank you so much, Linda. I really appreciate your having me on. I've been looking forward to this. Carol, will you give us a quick overview of You Can't Buy Love Like That? Sure. I think you presented it very well in terms of the underlying theme being how do you live an authentic life while keeping a secret. In my case, it was a secret of being gay in a fundamentalist family at a very dangerous time in our history. It was back in the 60s when it was actually illegal to be gay, as well as against all of the current social mores, against all the religious doctrines. And you could lose your job, you could you know, lose your family, you could lose your apartment if anybody found out that you were gay. So it was a really terrifying time. And so my book is really about the journey that I've taken from being very fearful of coming out for fear that all of those terrible things could happen to me, to really get to a place of openness with my family and with my friends and eventually with colleagues. I think that we're essentially wired to be authentic beings in our life, to be true to ourselves, and yet we live in a society that creates a very narrow pattern for who we actually can be. And while my secret was about being gay, I think anytime you have a secret, it really interferes with deep emotional connection with anybody because you're always worried that somebody's going to find it out. And so this book is really about finding the courage to really be true to who I was and to live a life that was one in which I could love myself and move through the world knowing that I was really okay. Ironically, it turned out to be the best character building experience I could ever ask for. (laughs) Because, you know, I think that's our assignment in life is to really find out who we are and then to really become that person to the best of our ability. I had no idea that things were that bad in the 60s, although I was growing up in the 60s as well, but was not around anything like you went through. Why did you decide to share your story in your book? It was something I really felt compelled to do. I'd wanted to write a book for a long time, and I don't think I really even knew what the topic was going to be. But I think this idea of living an authentic life was one that I could share with other people and show that if I could go through this journey and come to a place of true happiness and success as a human being, that it would be a gift I could give to others who might be facing any number of challenges in their life, you know, being gay, being one of them, but also others who are confronting, trying to be themselves in a place, in a world that, you know, wants you to be somebody else. While you were writing, You Can't Buy Love Like That, were you writing for any particular type of reader? I thought a lot about that, and I think certainly I was writing for other people who have faced the challenge of having a love orientation that's different than what has been expected in a heterosexual world. But I was also really thinking about people who are Christians and are in fundamentalist churches, because 
I grew up in a Christian family. I had wonderful Christian parents who were really loving and understanding. And yet I was afraid to tell them. And that sometimes we don't realize the harm we do to other people when we take a stance of outright rejection to others. And I think my story is told with a compassionate view toward both Christianity, but also toward people who are different. And so I would really hope that people who are Christians would read it and maybe get another perspective about the issues of belonging and inclusion and the impact that has on people. As I mentioned in my intro, You Can't Buy Love Like That has won several awards. Will you share a bit about those? Yeah, I felt really excited and proud to have my book be chosen for a variety of awards. And it's really pleased me that some of them have been in the arena of memoir and also general nonfiction which is an indication that this book is not just about being gay, but it has a much broader appeal. There are many awards that you can submit for independent books, and those are books that are published by smaller publishers. But I feel that having won some of these awards has also given me a lot of confidence in the quality of the book and that the message that it sends. Is You Can't Buy Love Like That similar to anything else we may have read? That's a really good question. I don't think I've read a book quite like mine, and it doesn't mean that they aren't out there in some way. I think that there's so much tension between many people who are extreme fundamentalists and people who are gay, that books either tend to be strident about either one of those positions. And I think the book that I offer is really a heartfelt memoir that talks about a true experience and the complex dynamics of living in a world where you're different than other people want you to be. So I think that's a unique part of it and that it has a very compassionate tone to it. It's not strident. It's a very thoughtful book and reflective as well as a very honest story. Carol, at what point in your life did you decide it was time to come out and be true to yourself? I was actually 30 years old at the time, though I probably knew about this since I was 15. And going through this period, the feminist movement was really a huge help because women in the 60s were really beginning to claim themselves in all kinds of ways. And when I moved to Ann Arbor, which was a much more liberal community than I'd grown up in, I met a lot of people who were like me, who were women, who were professionals, who were interested in all kinds of different things. And there was a lot of openness to different ways of being at that time. And I was also involved with a woman who had two children who were 18 months and three years of age. And I knew in all their innocence, if I didn't come out to my mother, that they probably would. And so in the way that only innocent children can. And so that, along with feeling like my father had passed away, and I realized the loss in not having really told him the truth because I was very close to him. And I think learning the consequence for not telling the truth was greater than perhaps the fear of telling the truth. And I hope that's another message that people get out of my book, that there are people you can trust and you can find your way through things that are difficult. You mentioned that you never did tell your father, and after he passed, you told your mother. How did she react? Well, initially, the first thing she said, I'd been dating a guy that, you know, she didn't really like (laughs) that much many years ago. And so the first thing she said, and I'll give a different name, you know, well, what about George? George was somebody she never liked, but now George was looking pretty good compared to the alternative. So after I said, well, you know, that's really not the path I'm going to be taking. And I really have to give her credit because she was 70 at the time. And I was with somebody at the time and she'd actually liked that person very much before she learned that we were actually in a relationship. 
And she didn't talk to me for about three weeks, which was really a long time. But then she called me on the phone and she said, you know, I want you and, you know, your partner to come over and I don't expect to change your mind and I don't expect you to change mine, but I don't want to live in fear of something I don't understand. And I think a part of what she was saying when we actually got there was for my partner to be willing to let me go if I met a man. You know, that was kind of a part of the reason. But also, I really admired her. She never rejected me outright. She never turned away from me. And I think she really, her interest in my being happy, you know, at the end of the day was really what allowed her to become accepting of that, you know, over time. So I really give my mother a lot of credit. Life today is much different than prior to the 1960s, but given the current political climate, would you say that we may be going backward rather than forward in our ability and our willingness to accept those who are not like us? Well, I think certainly the strident approach of the current environment, and especially people who are in political power at the moment, are doing everything they can to reverse many advances that we've made as a human body. And by that, I mean really embracing that we have differences and it's a part of those differences that really make us great. And I think those are a lot more openness among young people around the whole spectrum of love orientation than there ever was in my era. There's still so much vitriol and hatred. And I think that really comes from a total lack of understanding of difference. And so my hope is that the forces that also continue to push toward openness at the end of the day will exceed those that are so harsh and unyielding around the rigidity of being a certain way. Because I think all of us want to express our own unique selves in the world, whatever that may be. And for some of us, it's also something that's in opposition to society. But even to become an artist in the world, if that's important to you, or to become something that people never thought you should be in the world is a difficult thing. So I'm hopeful that the more people push against it, there's a much broader mass of people who really understand and are in favor of expanding our ideas of what is important in a diverse world. Carol, I'm detecting a real sense of peace with you and your voice. So what is your life like now? I have an incredibly happy, amazing life. And after that $50,000 worth of therapy and lots of interactions with people and really being accepted and loved by so many people in my life, I live with the love of my life. We've been together for 17 years. She's an amazing environmentalist. And that we work every day to become conscious in our relationship, to give to the world in ways that benefit it and make it a better place. We live on nine acres of beautiful natural land. And, you know, I feel like I've been so blessed. And, you know, I never would have asked to be gay. But in the end, I feel like it is something that really forced me to decide if I was going to have my own life, or if I was going to live somebody else's life. And there's a great quote by David White that is, if you can see your life laid out before you, that's how you know it's not your life. And I think we all have some version of that. So for me, the struggle to really find my identity and to choose to be myself in a world that was asking me to be something else turned out to be one of the best things that could have ever happened to me. What would you say is the most important message in You Can't Buy Love Like That that you would like readers to remember? I think the most important message is that you can't have an authentic life while keeping a secret. And whether that secret is great or small, that secrets really keep us from the deepest connections that we long for. 
And I think what's missing in the world today is a real sense of meaning for people. And for me, that meaning has come through being vulnerable with people that I trust, to stretch my imagination that it's possible for people to love you by being truthful and honest with them, and to have a really much more rich and rewarding life that I'd always thought it would cost me a lot to tell. I never thought about what it cost me not to share that. It governed every aspect of my life. And to look back now and see the relationships I lost because I was afraid or I wasn't able to come to terms with it earlier in my life, I missed a lot. And so my hope is that people can develop the courage to believe that they too can have the life that they really want to have by being authentic and true to themselves. Will you please read for us a short excerpt from your book? Sure. This excerpt is from a chapter called Over My Head, and it's been shortened a little bit just for purposes of reading. Though most girls on my wing dropped in occasionally, only Nikki came to my room on a regular basis, most often in the evenings after dinner. At first, we talked about the mundane things at school, but soon we engaged in more meaningful conversations. She was deeper than anyone I'd met up to that point. Together, we created a space where we could be more fully ourselves than with anyone else, driven by an innocence and vulnerability that felt precious to me even then. One night, she began a conversation with the question, what is love? I looked up and saw her face in a new way, noticing how beautiful her features were in the low light. I fixed my eyes on her hair, which hung over her right eye, and watched how she tossed her head and ran her fingers through it pulling it behind her ear. It was a gesture I'd seen many times before, but tonight it had a sensual quality. Her eyes were soft, her cheeks flushed. She fixed her gaze on mine, and we lingered longer than usual, neither wanting to look away. When my eyes did drop, I noticed the curve of her fingers as she smoothed the corner of a paper on my desk and how I wanted to take hold of her hand. She had a habit of striking matches while we talked and watching them burn. Just then, she lit one and held it in front of her face. We both watched the tiny fire in silence as it crept along the thin wooden stick till she blew it out just before it reached her fingers. It seemed like a metaphor for this moment. Something was on fire here for sure. My heart thumped in my chest, a metronome of warning. Here it was again, this unbounded feeling of flying, this incessant desire to be closer, to fall into the invisible prism of light and color, to feel the touch of her hand on my skin. I love that reading. Carol, where can we learn more about you? And most of all, where can we purchase You Can't Buy Love Like That, Growing Up Gay in the 60s? I have a website that is carolandersonwrites.com. Make sure you put the E in there, carolandersonwrites.com. And you can get a link there to buy the book. And you can learn more about other publications that I'm in and also a little bit about my background and also all of the awards. The book is one. We've been talking with Carol Anderson, author of You Can't Buy Love Like That, Growing Up Gay in the 60s. Carol, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much, Linda. I really enjoyed being here and I really appreciate the opportunity to share my work. Here's a very good review for Carol's book. I thought this book is written beautifully with incredible heart and authenticity. I laughed out loud. I grinned and I cried. Carol's memory for detail results in compelling stories that create what I remember about growing up in the sexual and feminist revolution. 
I highly recommend this memoir to anyone, gay or straight. And I thank you for listening. The Author Show podcast may be accessed at any time by visiting theauthorshow.com. And selected interviews can also be found on major podcasting platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and many more. Are you an author who would like to be featured on our show? Please visit theauthorshow.com and complete the interview request form so that we may contact you. Marketing is seldom easy for authors, and The Author Show is a great way to promote your book worldwide by using a high-quality interview that can make a real impact. Please visit our site daily as we continue to introduce wonderful authors of very interesting books on The Author Show. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorsshow.com. Theauthorsshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.